0: I don't know of anything more exciting than to get the revelation of how the kingdom of God is coming to the earth, because that includes in everyday life right now. How does the kingdom of God come to the earth, even in an individual? Today, we're going to talk about that. So, we're continuing our study today uh, on one of the most important subjects that, could, that we could possibly study, and that is the coming of the kingdom of God to earth. Now, without getting into a long uh, uh, going back and bringing everything up to date, we do know that the ultimate purpose of God <clears throat> is to establish his kingdom that is in heaven on the earth. Jesus tells us in Matthew 25 that this was the intent of God from the foundation of the world. This is not a secondary subject. This is a major subject. We have also seen, and you could go back and, and, and get some of this and hear it if you haven't already done so. You, you, we've also seen that um, beginning early in the book of Genesis and going throughout the Old Testament, as well as throughout the New Testament, as well as into the book of Revelation, there is perhaps no subject more prominent and repeated and consistently in the limelight of Scripture, if you please, than the kingdom of God coming to the earth. And so we have already talked about how the kingdom of God is going to come to the earth and how God is going to do these things, and first we looked at some proposed ways that God would, that the kingdom of God would come to the earth, uh, that have been explored and uh, created by other people. None of which um, we've already looked at them. None of which project uh, success in bringing the kingdom of God to the earth. But the Bible does tell us how the kingdom of God is coming to the earth. It's a a critically important subject. It's not only a critical, important subject in the larger scope of eschatological studies and studies about the end time and these kinds of things, uh, the universal purposes of God being fulfilled. It's also important for us uh, in a local church and in our personal lives because the way the kingdom of God comes to earth in its macro form when Jesus Christ comes back in the second coming and every eye shall see him, Matthew 24, and, um, and shall behold him. When that occurs, it is going to be the macro version of how the kingdom of God comes in our lives right now and how the kingdom of God comes in a local church. And if people don't know that, they're all sitting there in the church. This is one of the things that we learned about what creates a revival church. Uh, everyone can be sitting there just going through the motions and and uh, being respectful and, and being sincere But nothing occurs because they don't know how the Spirit of God comes. Now, once in a while in a Pentecostal church, there will be a breakout, usually in a church somewhere. But there are churches that have this happen so seldom, so seldom, that um, they will remember. Remember last year when we had that service where there was no preaching and uh, we just, the Holy Ghost just fell, and we began to uh, worship God, and the Spirit of the Lord came down, and good things happened, and so forth. Having to go back and memorialize those times when that has taken place. Now, I know there's times to memorialize a move of God. However, when we understand how the kingdom of God comes to earth, whether it's in an individual life, whether it's in a local church, whether it's Old Testament, whether it's New Testament, whether it's the second coming of Jesus, all of them follow a pattern, and all of them were explained by Jesus with a very lean explanation using uh, a minimal number of words to do so. We've already seen this. We looked at um, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, where Jesus is speaking. Let me just read that to you. Now, after that, John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So, when we preach the gospel, even that's tied directly to the kingdom of God. We're preaching the gospel to be ready for the kingdom of God. The gospel prepares a person for the kingdom of God. And and so the Bible says Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So repentance is one of the first signs of people understanding how the move of God works in the church, and we'll talk about that, or in an individual life. We'll talk about that in, in just a moment. But the important thing for us to realize now, and where we left off, is that Jesus said the time is come, the time is fulfilled, And the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled. And so we saw that there are uh, two words for time, one of which is uh, chronos. That's the normal word for time. And we've already mentioned, like, that's where we get chronology. That's where we get chronometer, which is a watch or a clock. Um, And other forms of the word, they come from chronos, that's the that's the Greek word for time, okay? But Jesus didn't use that normal word for time when he said the time is come. He used another word that is used for time, and that word is karos, or in English we often say kairos. So you have chronos, and you have kairos, and we talked briefly about this, but this is such an important subject that we want to go a little deeper in this before we move on. So chronos is time as we know it, like <clears throat> chronos or time moves. Uh, it's hard to describe the word time or define the word time, but, but uh, time moves from the past through the present to the future. And, it does this in what we call seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks and months and years and decades and centuries and millenniums and so forth. And so uh, these, these periods of time are like marching on, as we've mentioned, in a horizontal fashion, like a timeline across the pages of time. Uh, in contrast to that, kairos or kairos can also mean time similar to Chronos but 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 Kairos takes on additional meaning um, uh, it is a fixed and definite time okay so the time is at hand so uh, it's time when things are brought to crises it's the right time—it's the decisive um, epic that's been waited for. All of this fits under Karos or Kairos. It's a distinct moment or event in time, and so uh, when we talk about uh, when we talk about chronology, it's like moving this way, but. There's a breaking in aspect to Kairos or to a chirological meaning of time. And so Kronos is always trudging along. It's always meets its expectations. We can anticipate um, the next second, the next moment, the next hour, Um It goes along. It's where man lives his life, protecting its traditions, its culture, its way. The Bible says of this present evil world, it's a way of doing things. But all of a sudden, when you look, you see something is happening out above in front of you. In fact, it is coming towards you. And so you say, what is it? It is the future. So the future is coming into the present. Like the kingdom of God is a finished product in the future, and it's been in heaven for eternity, but it's that future coming back into the present. When it comes back into the present, it disrupts the present. Kairos is crashing into Kronos. It's a clash between the procession of historical kingdoms and the incoming kingdom of God. Now, when you understand this, it makes you understand revival, and it makes you understand the break-in of the Holy Ghost in a Pentecostal service. Although the kingdom of God is not yet here uh, geographically or in its consummating fullness, it nevertheless continues to break into here and now from its position in the future, and so it presses its way back from the future, back into the present. So we have, um, we have an earnest of our inheritance. It's it's in the future, and it presses its way back into the present. the ki- The kingdom of God that we experience when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a is a bite out of the future kingdom of God that's already in the future but it comes back into the present, and it reveals to us, it's like a John the Baptist, it reveals to us the kingdom to come, and it, it it's a magnet to pull us forward. It's an, It's a stimulus for us to see, repent, get yourself right with God, because the kingdom of God in its fullness is coming. And so throughout history, you see these times where God moves. When God moves, you can rest assured it's going to be a chirological event, not usually a chronological event. Now, the chronological part oftentimes follows the chirological part, but the chirological part, a move of God always comes first from heaven, and it always first comes spiritually spiritually. And so it burst. you can see these places in history where the move of God burst into history. And uh, now let me just stop here and to try to help you get a sense of something else. This is these events where the Spirit of God burst in are called in Scripture the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is spoken of in the Old Testament, scores of times, but it's talking about the consummating day of the Lord, when God's wrath will be poured out, when there will be repentance on the part of Israel, when they will turn to God. This is all uh, This is all the equivalent of the great tribulation. Uh, the time, the Bible says, of Jacob's trouble. So, um, <clears throat> this this, this comes crashing in. It is never comfortable for Kronos, and it is resisted virtually always by Kronos because Kronos has a set pattern and a set way of doing things. It's been walking in it for centuries. Now, the example I used last, uh, uh, last discussion that I had about this was... Uh, Egypt Israel has been captive there in bondage for 400 years what is to make us think it's going to change what is to make us think that there're ever going to be anything except slaves but what happened is is there was a set time that came a time that heaven and god had ordained and at that time God was going to bring deliverance of his people with a chirological event, okay? And so this event that came was their deliverance, and it was that God sent a man. So we see a pattern here. Somebody says, well, I want to hear from God. uh, The other day I heard uh, somebody saying, well, I've wept saying, God, I'm not going to believe any man until I hear your voice. I'm going to hear your voice straight to me. Well, he's going to weep for a long time because uh, if God does speak to him, God's going to say, go see the man that tells you what to do. And so the chirological event comes with Moses, and Moses has a word from God. It's a chirological word. It's not just another word. This is a difference in an anointed word. You hear people say, but it was an anointed word. An anointed word is a chirological word that is breaking into the normalcy of chronos. And this is, this is, the anointing always comes chirologically. So here is Israel trumping along as slaves for all these years, and all of a sudden Moses comes up with a short phrase that is anointed and that sparkles with power and determination, and he says, Let my people go. And so those, those four words are the edge of the missile from heaven, if you please, that's blasting its way into the chronological timeline of Egypt. And the rest of the story is it blasts in and Egypt resists it. It resists it. It feels violated. This is our land. We have, this is our slaves. We own these slaves. We've had them for centuries. And so God is saying, no, you don't own these slaves. They've been allowed to stay here. You've been allowed to use them, but they're mine. And I have come to the time that I'm going to take them. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. And so they do all of these things. The plagues come on the land. Even after they're delivered, they're, they're on the way to the Red Sea. And the, and the armies of Kronos, if you please, cannot give them up. And the armies come behind them to try to uh, crush them. And, of course, we know the story. God opens the Red Sea. The people of God go through, and the uh, Egyptian army is drowned uh, as the sea closes up. So, so that, was a, that was an example of, of an eschaton, a day of the Lord, if you please, a day when God intercepts man. So there's like, there's like little explosions of the day of the Lord every time a new person repents and receives a baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's little in the sense of the world, but it's big in the sense of an individual life in that it blasts in and it blows hell out of these people, and it blows sin out of these people, and it delivers them from the powers of Kronos that are oppressive, that are demonic, and uh, takes them out of the darkness and puts them in the light. And so uh, what we see here is that there is a violent component There's a violent component to the coming of Kairos. We'll talk about that next.